0: Welcome to the podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Matt Smith. This week's guest is Taylor Johnson. So Taylor is a former physical preparation coach for the NFL, where he worked with the San Francisco 49ers, also an NCAA, coach where he was at UCLA, um, Auburn, and some other schools. Uh, Now Taylor works with State Space. Uh, that is with eSports athletes. Uh, he's doing a lot of great things. He's a huge resource for myself. He's somebody that I've really looked up to and learned a lot from. I learned a ton from this episode. Uh, it's probably one of my favorite episodes. I learned a ton from Taylor on this episode and just our conversations. So very thankful for him to be able to be on the podcast. Make sure everybody, you rate, review, subscribe to the episodes. Uh, reach out to us. Give us that five-star on Apple Podcast. I appreciate everybody that listens to the podcast everybody that's been a past guest as we continue to grow so everybody taylor johnson this week's guest all of his information is in the show notes make sure you reach out to him and everybody stay strong what's up guys strength talking shop podcast uh, excited for this week's guest taylor johnson nice to see you man how are you today
1: i'm doing well man thanks for having me on
0: Absolutely. Um, so Taylor and I have talked a few times here on the phone. Uh, somebody that's been very influential with me, with on the outside looking in, a little bit of the conversations that we had. Um, I had it written down here. Probably one of the the biggest things you've helped me with was uh, nonviolent communication. You had a you had me watch a, a video of Marshall Rosenberg. And yeah. if, if anybody gets a chance to check out that video, I mean that video is probably it's like three hours long. The one you had me watch and. It took me about a week to watch it all through in the spurts, but man, that has changed my life. And as far as just uh, communication, even with being out of uh, the strength and conditioning industry, now working in a in a nine to five office atmosphere, it's really helped me with how to communicate with my clients and then all my coworkers and stuff. So Taylor, I got I can't say thank you enough for that one, man.
1: Of course, man. Happy to share that. I mean, it's a. I think communication is a powerful tool, yep. and it's often underutilized, um, and it's. Um, you know, it's what connects us all, and, and if we can do a better job of being able to communicate what's really going on for us, and do it in a way that's non-confrontational, that's always the best thing.
0: Yeah, uh, the big thing that I remember learning from that was you just said right there, being non-confrontational and and still expressing you know your own feelings, and the other person can understand your feelings, and then we can we can have a better understanding of what's going on here, and we because we all want to get to the same point, right? Uh, we all just get there in a little bit different avenues. So uh, to me, it was really really beneficial. So again, thank you. Of course. So, you know, you've transitioned away from uh, traditional strength and conditioning. You know, when you were doing traditional strength and conditioning, what kind of made you take that avenue uh, just kind of away um, from the traditional side?
1: Yeah, I mean, so it might be helpful to give a little context of my background. So I spent a majority of my career coaching in college in the NFL on the strength, conditioning, performance side. I was very fortunate to coach uh, at some amazing programs, and then I spent two years with the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, and it was a it was a phenomenal track. It was a phenomenal journey in exploring anything and everything having to do with performance and having to, you know, absorb, modify, and apply as Louis Sims used to always say, you know, from the West Side Barbell of taking all this information and saying, okay, well, what makes the most sense for this group of athletes for this endeavor that they're going after and chasing. And being in the NFL was great. I mean, it was this opportunity. I was very fortunate to where my mentor and boss at the time, uh, Mark Uyama. We call him Uy. Um, you know, he'd been there for a very long time, and, and, and he's, in my opinion, best strength coach in the NFL. And his ability to see things through a different lens of really understanding, like, what are these core constituents? What are the core domains of what needs to be true in order to perform best on game day? And so learning from him was a phenomenal experience, and then having my other mentors come a long way, such as Gary Uribe, who's at Sansley State. I mean, that's been – that's, like, my, my guy, man. He's when one who, I met him. Uh, when I was coaching at UCLA and then when I went to uh, UCLA, went from UCLA to USC and he was at Auburn, he brought me out to Auburn and they brought me to San Jose state. And if it weren't for him, I would have made it to the NFL. Cause that, at San Jose state is when I met Uli, uh, you know, but being in the NFL was great. And then also I've always been curious. I've always had a, a very intense curiosity for all things performance and just in life in general and how everything connects the dots and how you can take everything that you've learned and apply it in different contexts. And uh, I was at the 49ers during the two years where we were not doing so well. And it was a very great learning experience as you tend to learn more in the times of the ultimate lows than you do with the ultimate highs. Right. And one of the things that kind of came up for me was like, man, like I, I've always been entrepreneurial minded. I've always wanted to apply my, myself in other industries and take what I've learned and do that. And so it was our, my second season. And I was like, man, I'll, we made it through one coaching change and I don't think we're going to make it through another. <laughs> what else was out there? you know, the NFL will always be there, but what's, what's next? What's, what's out there that maybe I could take this knowledge and apply it to. And I started reaching out to mentors, colleagues, and friends and be like, Hey, what do you think? And a good buddy of mine was the CEO of a tech company up in Toronto. He's like, Hey, you got to check out esports." And I had known of it. I just didn't really know how big it had gotten. And so I started to dig in and ask myself the questions you know, well, how are they training? What's practice look like? What's the overall structure systems and schedule look like? I'm like, wow, there's a lot of similarities here. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of differences as well, but the similarities were pretty apparent. but the one, the gap in that was who's talking about performance and optimization and recovery, like who's helping these young individuals get to game day, many of them have game days and competitions and tournaments where they, you know, these individuals are making six figure contracts. Mm-hmm. They're playing turns for millions of dollars nobody was talking about how to optimize them. I was like That's crazy. Why not? So uh, that's, I was like, all right, I'm doing it. Like I'm, I'm going to go in and do it. And there was only a few people in the space, um, you know, and they were doing good work. And I was like, all right, I want to I help contribute to this industry, this emerging industry and this emerging sport yep. of, you know, this high performer. Um, and so that's what I did. So ultimately our staff and you know, the entire staff, the 49ers ended up getting let go. And, and rather than staying in the NFL and going to another team, I said, all right, this is what I'm going to do. And so the the process of that was an interesting one where it took some courage to pivot away, yep. you know, and I've always kind of told myself the mantra of courage over comfort, you know, you don't climb the ranks in anything in life. If you want to stay comfortable, you have to get uncomfortable. And it's almost like that, you know, you find comfort in being uncomfortable and the more you can expand your knowledge and expand your threshold and capacity for taking on, life and challenges in life the better chance you might get lucky you know it's like luck is the kind of like preparation it's opportunity right you know yeah. and so uh making that pivot was a really cool one for me and it was a very rewarding and has been a very rewarding experience in that you know getting to take everything i've learned and apply it in different contexts and i started Working with teams and individuals, and just doing the same sort of stuff I would do in traditional sports, and helping optimize and think about okay, what are what are these buckets of performance? Like what are these kind of core domains around culture, psychology, uh, the neuro, the neuroscience, the tactics, the psychology, all these kind of buckets around okay, well, what needs to be true? The physiology as well, uh, and that kind of got, gets still down into you know lifestyle, mindset, nutrition, movement, recovery, in the context of gaming um and it was a wild ride i mean we we was uh ended up moving out to dallas where i was working for an organization where we had five professional organizations 14 uh, professional teams a developmental academy um started a, a separate entity which was innovative performance institute which was our performance support system for all of our teams um and then that was, uh, that was a, that was a great run. We had, you know, two teams in a franchise out in LA and we were helping them, you know, get the game day and perform. Uh, ultimately that company ended up getting acquired and I left and went back to consulting. And that's what brought me to where I'm at now, which is state space where we are a neuroscience gaming company and we're optimizing human potential. And we're doing that through the application and bridging the gap between traditional science and gaming and esports, and using gaming as a vehicle to optimize performance in all aspects of life. Um, and that's, uh, that's where I'm at now. So I'm, I'm Chief Performance Engineer with them and I, and I work on a few different projects around uh, specifically working with different teams and our partners and also working with our science team for some of the research collaborations and then also working on a bunch of educational content for for the players, for our users yeah. on our platform and then also for the, for the coaches and players that we partner with.
0: That's all great stuff. I'm interested in the research side of everything, what you guys are kind of finding out there too as well. But um, you know, there's this awesome uh, holiday. I think it's Holiday Inn commercial where that. I don't know if you've ever seen that before, where a guy is a esports gamer, and he's preparing for game day. And he their their big mantra on the commercial is he's getting like a, uh, it's like the breakfast in the morning, and he's ready to go for his esports gaming. And I remember seeing that, and at the time, uh, a friend of ours, Trevor, was kind of talking to me about his space and the esports working with you as well. And that's when it kind of dinged for me is like, these guys are performers. They're performing for a game day. And for me, I think it's really interesting on how you guys are preparing these, you know, these esports gamers and then just everybody for game day. Talk to me a little bit about how you're educating them and bringing them along so they can understand, you know, getting ready for that big tournament. Because some of those tournaments are really grueling. They last for a really long time. And. And like you said, these guys have six-figure contracts, or maybe they're an up-and-comer so they can kind of maybe grow. Talk to me about that education side of everything.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, really kind of you got to take a step back and and think about, like, what is performance, right? And, And if you think about it in the context of everybody in some way, shape, or form has to perform every day. And everybody has their, their own game day in and, and, and some context of what they do on a day-to-day basis. And for some, that could be, you know, take care of their kids. That could be, you know, doing the work that they do for their profession or their vocation or their calling in life. And so for me, everybody is a performer, right? And yeah. so in order to achieve the highest level of success and put yourself in the best position to be successful, you know, it's no different than a, a traditional sport or a non-traditional or e-sport athlete training it's, you know, you want to think about your your goal setting and your mindset, yeah. your, your movement, your nutrition, your recovery, uh, your spirituality, your relationships. I mean, these are all the things that help support you as an individual, as an adaptive human being to perform at your best. And so a lot of the conversation is all the same stuff we've done, you know, for all those traditional strength coaches out yeah. there. I mean, it's the same sort of conversation. It's no different. You know, the education is still meeting them where they're at
0: mm-hmm.
1: and understanding, okay, well, what are your pain points? What are you trying to achieve in life? Are you trying to go from aspiring pro to pro? Or are you at the pro level? Are you trying to stay at the professional level? And one of the things, <laughs> excuse me, one of the things I used to always, you know, tell athletes in the college ranks you know, during recruiting trips, you know, is what if I told you that reaching your true potential was just the beginning? Hmm. And that in doing so, once you get to that level and you unlock what you can really do, or you can kind of lean into, that discomfort, and it be fully expressed in all areas of your life, then things start to get really interesting. Mm -hmm. And you can start to see how you can lean on all all these different support structures to really prop you up to perform best on game day, whatever that may be. And that applies, you know, in sports, and applies in life, and applies in, in learning, everything. So a lot of the education is very much based around just getting those core domains dialed in. It's, you know, for a lot of, specifically talking about for the gamers, you know, a lot of it's around sleep and nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also understanding, like, load management. Mm-hmm. You know, oftentimes, uh, you know, the gaming culture is very much, a more is better. I and mean, you find that in traditional sports, too. So the conversation is <laughs> the same. Yeah, exactly. Right? So everybody everybody tries to do, like, this overload. You know, they try to, like, oh, especially in gaming, it's like they call it grinding. So they grind the game. The reason they do that is because um, the more they play the game, the more game sense they get by game sense. It's exposure to specific contexts and patterns in the game, because no one scenario, will ever likely happen again, but there may be something close to it. So they try to play the game as much as they can to get as much of this game knowledge, this game sense, as they can, a the mechanical skills of one thing like skill building is one thing, game sense is another, and then being able to pair those two together that puts them in the best position to be successful. But oftentimes, individuals tend to just overload themselves. They have physical overload, you know, where you get overuse injuries and they're sitting for long periods of time. So physically they're not really taking care of themselves. And then the cognitive overload is burnout. <laughs> so there's, you have this cognitive burnout yeah. where, you know, individuals are just not fresh. They're not being able to recover from consecutive days of playing 8 to 12 hours a day. And it puts them in a, in a state of constant fatigue. And then when you're in a state of constant fatigue, you have more cortisol and then the whole cascade of the, you know, the physiology and the physiological responses of just general stress in, in, in the broad sense starts to kick in. And that's why um, if you can do a good job of getting to them and meet them where they're at and understanding what their needs are and then understand their strengths and weaknesses relative to the overall program, you could start to build out a more comprehensive approach by really just identifying like, okay, of these spheres of influences, around all the things that need to be true for you to perform at your best. So what are the What are the top three things where you may be most efficient in? In terms of a lifestyle, this performance lifestyle. And then you, you identify those three things, maybe those three out of like a seven thing, maybe, or five things. So you start with those two, three things. And then say, okay, well, what are one to two things that you could do right now to start having a positive impact on those areas? Right. What you'll find is when you do that, you know, you identify those key top areas, all the others that might be lacking, start to sort themselves out. Because if you can get somebody to feel better on a consistent basis, well, then they get a little bit more motivation and they start to buy into the notion of wanting to start to change more of their lifestyle habits so that they continue to feel that way. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of individuals, both in gaming and I think just in life in general, we're operating at such a subpar level. You know, the culture of the world right now is just grind, 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 especially in the United States. I mean, other countries are different, but, you know, we tend to just overwork ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what if we were to think a little bit more methodically around how to manage our workload and in this context, manage our gaming workload and understand the difference between, you know, uh, what are just, you know, the fundamentals, like what I look at it the same of like Bondarchuk. Right. We have the classification, we have competition, specialized preparatory, specialized developmental and general physical preparedness. We could take that same concept of how it applies to track and field, or even specialized team sports and overlap that with, you know, gaming. So what are the GPP? What are the fundamentals that you need to practice on a daily basis? And then what are the life skills that you need to factor into that? What are the developmental skill building tools that you need to, to utilize? And then what are the specialized preparatory? So how do you, like, that's like practice or scrims. And then the competition is the competition itself. Um, So hopefully what you can see is, like, it's a lot of the same conversation. It's not very much different. I think people tend to just kind of balk because they're like, nah, you know, you're just sitting down playing games. Yeah, well, sit down and play games for eight hours a day at a very high level with uh, a lot of money on the line. You Tell me how you do and you know the cognitive output for these individuals is very very high and you know don't discount the physical component of being able, being able to sit and maintain posture you know hopefully good posture right. for a long period of time because if you can maintain a good posture do you have better blood flow obviously your brain is your money maker you want to get good good oxygenated blood to your brain uh, so all these things start to come into play so you know training is training and preparation is preparation it's just all about how you're thinking of it in the context of that performer
0: yeah, you said something uh, that I really like. There is you're meeting them where they're at. You know, you're building upon one or two things at a time. Too many times, even on the traditional side, and just um, you know, being in the workforce now, you'll see that where you know people want you to be at a certain place at a certain time, and it's like, no, we need to understand where you're at right now. And uh, I remember from our conversations in the past, you always talked to me about um, the the one to two things. You know, let's clean up one thing, let's clean up two things, and that'll lead to three, four down the road. And I, for me, that has been extremely beneficial. I keep a notebook next to me every morning with, from the night before, from goals that I want to achieve for the day. And there's something about when you make that check mark next to it that just makes it feel so good. And when you start to see the checks, you start to see the one or two things, it's a snowball effect. I mean, it really, really is to where you become a better communicator, you start to feel better, and then your just performance goes better. I've seen that for, for myself outside of just, you know, I work in the workforce. I've seen that and it's helped me tremendously in my job.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting, too, because especially what I find with males is, you know, we tend to like checking boxes. So that could be a slippery yeah. slope, right? Yeah. So if you have a checklist of everything that you want to do for that day and you're like, I'm going to get everything done on this list, you know, that can tend to lead to a lot of stress and anxiety if you don't. So I think it's a relationship with understanding that it is a process and then you have outcome. You have, you have your overall objective and outcome goals, right? But there are behaviors. There's a distinction between the outcomes and the behaviors that need to be true in order for you to achieve that. And part of that process is being able to understand that it's not linear and to know that it's going to take time. That's why I'm yeah. a huge fan of Precision Nutrition and what they've done with their education is yeah. like two-week chunks, right? Every two weeks is a new habit. And that tends to build over time. And that's what change, creates those habits, turn into lifestyle change. And very much of my philosophy comes from that kind of concept, you know. Then also just my experience in, in just coaching in sports for you know 10 years now mm-hmm. of thinking about, okay, well, what needs to be true in order for this individual to start to get that snowball effect, like you talked about, and not overdo it. Yeah. So I think, you know, really it comes down to, <clears throat> you know, like what are those those key points that you wanna that you wanna really get dialed in and get reestablished, reset, recalibrate your baseline. And then once you do that, then it's a matter of you've got all these buttons, dials, lever, knobs, you can twist, pull, turn, lift. And then that's where it gets real fun. We could start to really optimize and start to dial yourself in, whether it's with supplementation or certain types of exercise routines or whatever, whatever you think. Um, that's when the whole optimization gets really fun.
0: So I have a question for you. In, in your experience of what you've seen with that, have you noticed that change like changes will happen with with the athlete and the performer that they weren't even expecting. You know, like like they'll create something completely new that they weren't even like you were just talking about that's something that they really weren't focused on but it's a it's something that branched off on its own. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I think so what I'm hearing is like <clears throat> if we were to go to work on those two to three things yes. that needed to really be optimized what then opens up for them Right. might be different than they originally expected in terms of how they're feeling or the performance. Exactly. Yeah. Good question. I think, um, you know, what tends to happen is once you, once you reestablish your baseline and you start to perform at a higher level consistently because you're feeling better consistently, I think what some individuals tend to find is it opens up a completely new like headspace of being able to take in and process information differently. So whether that's with their sport of choice or their competitive endeavor, or if it's, um, you know, maybe it's like a hobby or, or something that they may have not even had the capacity to be interested in before. I think what happens is once we as human beings start to really optimize and do the work on ourselves, you know, we tend to expand, you know, it's very expansive in terms of just our overall way of being. And I think that's a, a good point to kind of touch on because you know, the whole process of like checking boxes, Mm -hmm. you know, that's doing, you're doing a lot of stuff when you do that. Okay. I need to do this. I need to do that. The question becomes, well, who are you being when you're doing it? Right. Right. This is more in the conversation around like ontology of the way of being, it's more this philosophical notion. I don't want to get too esoteric, but it's like, how are you showing up in the world? And once you can really start to understand how you, how you kind of fine tune yourself and you kind of reset your baseline, you tend to show up differently. And that in it itself, I think, is a huge shift in a lot of high performers. Once they start to understand this performance lifestyle, they're like, shit, I, I feel different. Right. I'm showing up differently. I'm actually more curious about things that maybe I, I was kind of like this myopic view before. Now it's like I'm starting to open my perception of reality because I am now able to take in that information. So that's kind of... That's been a a cool process. I mean, I've experienced it with myself and a lot of individuals that I've worked with of, you know, kind of taking this notion of, okay, we're going to do a few things, but we're really going to try to work on, well, how are you being? Like, who are you being and how are you showing up while you're doing those things? Because, you know, on the the topic and conversation around mindset and the whole psychology and performance psychology, you know, it's... I actually have a quote. Where is it at? It is... The mind is the mind is a terrible master but an excellent servant. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's it's how you want to show up, right? Your mind can be vicious, right? Yes. But if you can train yourself to have a different perception of life and how you want to treat the world and how you want to show up in the world. I mean that in, in my in my in my opinion, I mean that is being a high performer it's not only going to be excellent at the endeavors in which you take on, but it's going to be your excellence in how you show up the life and who you are as a human being. Um, And that's pretty powerful.
0: Yeah, I found, uh, you talked a bit ago about, you know, the checking off the boxes and how that can cause the anxieties and, you know, how are you checking off? I I, I noticed I'd have like eight to ten things, and I wouldn't get to all of them, and if I didn't, I would get really upset. But then number two, I was checking them off, and I'm like, did I really like you're talking about right now? Was I really there when I did it, or did I just do it because it's got to be checked off, yeah. right? And so I think if you can understand, so I've shortened it down to like three or four things now, and like like you said, they're purposeful. Like there's a purpose behind them, and I know why I'm doing it, and where it's leading me to to become, you know, the best version of myself too. I think that's really important to understand because we're all trying yes. to fi- we're all trying to find who the best best us is, right? Yeah, you
1: hope so. Yeah, right? you I mean, hope we all. We all- we hope we strive to be the best human beings. We can be the best version of ourselves. And that is this process of evolution of ourselves and how we show up in the world. So you talk about like your checklist. So this is what I do every day. So I have my top six. Really it's, it's my top four because I draw a line underneath four and then five and six are personal and professional development. You know, so I have my top four things that I need to do for that day. Really important. Like, Hey, these are like necessary for me to get done. But then five and six are like, hey, what, what, are, what is one thing I can do for my personal development? What is one thing I can do for my professional development? And then on the bottom, it's like kind of more like the mundane tasks, like the to do's, phone calls, errands, stuff like that. Because what I noticed for myself is, you know, if I get I kind of going in the tunnel of like, all right, I'm, I'm banging out, I'm doing these things right now, you know, and I'm trying to show up as my best self and doing them. But you tend to have like moments of point of diminishing returns, yeah. just like anything in life. You know if you want to go out and be better at sprinting you just don't go run you know you just don't go do like 50 you know 10 20 30 yard sprints you don't do that Mm -hmm. right you try to pace yourself you know you may do you may do you know like 10 sets of 10 maybe you know 10 sets of 10 yard sprints but you kind of dose them out in different series sets and reps you know you get your rest recovery in between so you're being more methodical maybe doing some other skill work whatever it may be so what I tend to do is think about, okay, my top four things are like, Hey, these are, these are my big building blocks of what I need to get done. You know, then the lower term stuff is like, okay, hey, if I get stuck or if I hit a, like a creative block, rather than trying to, trying to power through it, I drop down and I do, okay, what are my, what are some to do's that I could just kind of like shift into? And I'm going to like set aside 20 minutes, yeah. those to do's give myself a five minute break and I'm going to jump back into my top four really important things.
0: I really like that. I just recently read an article and they were talking about um, how at a tr- traditional eight hour you sprint, so you don't even think about it. You sprint throughout your work session. That typically you're really only working like a third of the day because the rest of the time you're 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 just kind of relaxing. You're you're waiting in between those ten by tens that you're talking about. And for me, I've found that sometimes where I'm sprinting and then I'll take a second where you know I'll go take my ten minute walk that I have, and it kind of clears my mind and, I, and then I can come back and do that 10-second you know. That sprint that we're talking about at work, and I think that's important for people to understand. Is like you—that's where burnout leads to, where you just keep going, keep going, keep going, and that's where you got to understand where you're at in your work and, and everything.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think being methodical in how you you program your day. I mean, I get I get super nerdy in terms of like thinking of periodization. You know, like what it like Charlie Francis vertical integration. You know, yeah. thinking about okay, like all these, you know, all of these different training stimulus are going to be happening at once. It just matters, you know, what proportion do I want to allocate my time to on this day, on this day, on this day, no day is ever the same. So I even, I even schedule my week. I almost periodize my week where I know Mondays and Wednesdays are going to be my heavy call days. You know, Fridays are a little bit of like a mixture of calls and creative work. Tuesdays and Thursdays, there's no calls. It's straight project-based days. And I have blocks of time where I know like, Hey, I'm going to get, you know, two three hour chunks of really dedicated time for my work, and I'll give myself a thirty minute break in between each one of those blocks, uh, and that tends to work really well. I have I'm very fortunate to where I can kind of make my schedule that way. Yeah, I think maybe now that more people are working remote, that may be the case. But you know, in traditional sports, you, you don't really have the luxury to do that. It's like mm-hmm. you may have, you know, you may have your football team coming in. You know, you got your six a.m. group, your eight a.m. group. You know, then a three p.m. group. If you're also doing other sports like baseball, softball, volleyball, you got them coming in random times throughout the day, and you know it's harder to do that. But I think if you can, you map that out and think about okay, well, where are my, where are like my my go times and where are my down times, and then how you're starting to allocate your energy. It's all about conservation of energy, right? And being methodical around okay, well, where do I want to train? Where do I want to do my professional development? Where do I want to do my personal development? And a lot of what I'm talking about right now, this is the same sort of conversation that I have with the individuals, the teams, the players that I work with. Is like, let's map out your entire day, your entire week. What's your ideal day? What's your ideal week? What does that look like? I mean, what's your ideal life look like? You know, like I, I do kind of like life, performance, lifestyle coaching as well. I'm like, hey, what does your ideal life look like? Have you ever thought about that? You know, then let's work back backwards from that literally it's work. that's your game day essentially like let's work backwards from that and so a lot of the conversation again is like well how do you how do you manipulate or how do you manage volume density intensity and frequency and you just create the analogs of whatever that may be for whatever context you're in
0: yeah so you've taken from what your side of coaching and and helping those people outside that aren't maybe a traditional athlete per se i love that man that's awesome because i've found that to my for myself you know being a former coach and Understanding like like you were talking about undulating, your, you know, your training and everything like that, undulating your work week and stuff like that. I mean, that's huge. And I think even from you know the traditional strength and conditioning side, that advice that you just gave, I think a lot of people can understand and that they can maybe map that out. Because again, I mean, we both understand from being on the floor from those six a.m. groups till till five o'clock in the afternoon, and then you didn't get a lift in, you maybe got one meal in. I mean, we both understand that. Oh, yeah. So how can we? How can you better plan? How can you have better communication with maybe your sport coaches and saying, hey? We maybe need to move, you know, manipulate some things around for the week, not for yourself, then also probably for your staff too.
1: Yeah, no doubt, man. I mean, that's like for, for all the, the traditional strength coaches out there. I mean, we know what that's like. I mean, those six a.m. groups, you're in it four four thirty. Yeah. You know, depending on how extensive the setup is. You know, I used to be, I used to get to the facility at you know four four thirty in the morning. You know, for a five a.m. setup, but I wanted thirty minutes to kind of get my mind right. Okay, what does my day look like? You know, so you're set up the four. a group comes in at six, and you're going. You know, if it's a two-hour lift group, you know, you got one at six, you got one at eight, and you got a little bit of break if you got another team rolling in. And I think, you know, the conversation with, with – you know, one of the things that I found really challenging is, you know, when you're dealing with uh, – in the collegiate setting especially, you know, you have these kind of like the, the premier teams, you know, so you have like your footballs, the, the, the basketballs, you know, the, the, big, the big teams – what what tended to happen is like a lot of the other teams kind of got pushed to the wayside and that always bothered me. Like I, I get it from the sense of, you know, the football is a a massive moneymaker and a very costly organization as well. But, you know, it's trying to find ways to optimize for all players involved because if you have groups of individuals coming in super early in the morning or scattered throughout the day, you got to think about what's going on for them. I mean, being a college athlete is not easy. People are like, oh, they got—they're the, living the dream. No, they're not. They're grinding. They're mm-hmm. waking up. They're going to early morning workouts if that's the, if that's when the workout time is. They've got practice. They've got homework. They've got study hall. You know, they've got team meetings. You know, depending on the sport, they're doing you know film. They're doing all that stuff. And then they're traveling. And I think people tend to overlook the, you know, how how tough that could be really be. Um, so I think you know you talked about the communication with the coaches. I, I think. You know, doing your best job to manage the situation as best as you can. And I think that's where the nonviolent communication comes in, yep. where, you know, it, it's it's almost this this level of of empathy and compassion where you wanna understand the other side and really get where they're coming from. And I think early on in my coaching career kind of kinda coming up and seeing like, you know, that just wasn't there. I, I find myself reflecting back and feeling very fortunate where you know I kind of came up during like this old school I had a little bit of the old school then I was like right on the tip of like kind of like this new school so I got to see both ends of the spectrum yeah. uh, which I feel was very valuable for my coaching career and just my own coaching philosophy on how to be with and how to coach individuals to get them to the to be able to perform at the highest level and a lot of that comes down to the conversation because you have to know your athletes mm-hmm. you should be as a coach you should be able to read the body language of your, the individuals coming into that room and know if you need to scrap the workout that day or modify the workout that day mm. and not, you know, be driven by your ego. Like, Oh, this is the plan. This is what we're doing. You know, same thing for yourself and, and knowing yourself with being like, okay, if you wake up and you're not feeling well, you know, maybe if you're you your tracking your HRV, if you're shot, make a change. Don't, don't try to power through it because far too often, I think, you know, my own experience you know, having lived through that and burnt myself out many times, you know, working 12, 15-hour days, seven days a week, you know, because that's just what it was. Um, there are better ways to do things. Um, then again, it kind of ties into the whole you know, part of the grind, man. And yeah. being, being a strength coach, like you're just grinding. You just, that's just what you do. You're on the floor, you're under coaching, but there are better ways to do it. And I think now uh, you know, more of these conversations are happening, more people are starting to take into consideration of you know we are adaptable human beings, but there is a breaking point. So how do we help get people to be the very best consistently, uh, not only on game day, but just consistently throughout the week and throughout the months, throughout the year?
0: Absolutely. You talked about you know the difference between like the football guys versus like maybe the volleyball or base baseball and stuff like that. When I was going into collegiate strength and conditioning, my wife and I we both went to high school together, and she was a college athlete. Um, and before she went into college. I said, well, are you excited for the weight room? She goes, well, it's just going to be this, you know. She's like, I never really was taught anything in the weight room because at our high school, um, the girls, it was all about football. Uh, so the girls did the guys uh, lifting. And so I, when I went into collegiate side, I always thought like, okay, I'm going to treat these other sports as their own sport. Like I don't want to think of them just being like the football and, and putting more time and effort in them. And I think that's really important that you talked about that as well. And So that was from my side, something that really helped me with like those other sports and everything like that. But then, too, you talked about being able to scrap things. You know, I love Buddy Morris. He talks about if if they're chatty caddies before the workout, then we're probably gonna have a good workout. But if they're just laying there on their foam rollers from foam prep, you better scrap that thing and figure it out. And that's, you know, too many coaches power through that. Um, so I think I think conversations are happening more with that. I think that's a better thing. Um, I know for myself, when I was preparing for my last powerlifting meet, you know, I tracked my HRV like we were just talking about every morning, and I just noticed for two weeks straight my lifts sucked um my hrv was in the crapper so i made a shift and i called somebody i said hey this is what's going on and he gave me advice and everything turned around so whereas i think in the past i probably would have said screw this like i'm just it's supposed to work right so it's just going to magically happen and or i should do uh this supplement or maybe i should eat these foods or try this diet and that's going to fix it well it's like no no Like, you need to sit down and really have a conversation with somebody else that maybe knows a little more than you or has gone through the same experience as you, too, as well, i found. That's really beneficial is, like, listening to other people's experiences and stuff and where where have they been at on the journey. Yep, no
1: doubt.
0: So, as we wind down here, uh, what are some of your, you know, resources that you use to to help yourself. I know you're a big book reader, you put them up a lot on Twitter and I've stolen a couple of them and, and and gotten them from our our local library. So I appreciate that. But what's, what's, what's some of the resources that you use and what helps you uh, just kind of through all this?
1: Yeah. Good question. Um, I, uh, man, it's hard to say like what just one resource, uh, I kind of do like what, what, so what you found on my Twitter, you know, like I tend to just see like, what are other people reading? Or what interests me at that point in time, you know. So if it's something related to business, or if it's I'm always reading something related to performance in some way. Uh, but you know, with working with Aim Lab and, and what we do in terms of around the neuroscience, it's more heavily now geared towards understanding, you know, the mechanisms behind perception, cognition, and motor skills, and, and reading research on that. Um, you know, I, I think like what really should be your north star is like, what are you what are you curious in? Like, what are you curious about? And, and where may be some some gaps in your knowledge it's kind of like this Feynman principle where you know if you think you know something you know explain it to a sixth grader and identify the gaps in your explanation go back refine that and then try it again and i think that tends to be a pretty useful tool in your own discovery of knowledge and and as you're learning to be like okay if you read something, you'd be like, okay, well, can I explain this to somebody in grade six or, or somebody who may have no clue what this may be, you know, how well did I do? Like, were there any gaps in my explanation? And that can kind of give you some feedback into where areas you might want to expand into and learn about more. Um, you know, but I would, what I would recommend is, um, you know, I started doing this years ago of thinking about kind of three different buckets of, of uh, kind of like knowledge-based information you know, so one of them being, um, you know, personal development, so stuff on leadership, um, lo- looking at ways to optimize just yourself in general, whether it's your spirituality, whether it's, you know, different leadership, communication, stuff like that. Um, I do a lot of work, a lot of reading on, like, uh, you know, like masculinity, like masculine leadership, and thinking more about, like, especially this day and age, too. Just, I feel like there's not good role models out there for masculine leadership, so we're reading a lot more on that. So you got your personal development. Professional development should be stuff around kind of the core domains around what you're really interested in. So if you're talking about performance here, you know, maybe it's sleep and nutrition and, and you know, s stuff, or maybe it's sports science, or maybe it's looking outside outside of those domains and see what, what kind of feeds into it. You know, technology is another big one or business or finances stuff like that so that's your professional development side and then um, kind of along the same lines of like your personal development but a little bit different category is like inspirational mm. so for me like I always make time to read um, books or biographies or autobiographies on successful people you know success leaves clues so if somebody wrote a book or so somebody wrote a book about somebody successful chances are they're going to be dropping some sort of knowledge in there mm. you know so I tend to To kind of of create those three buckets and I I float through each one of those, whether it's every day or, you know, at least once a week, I'll I'll touch on one of those. Um, that would be my recommendation. I don't have one single resource that I would say go after.
0: I've heard of the, uh, the buckets before, I think from, uh, Jesse Inser. I think, um, he's done a couple books. I, I remember him talking about his buckets. So that's definitely something I want to look into, but if people want to reach out to you, Taylor or follow you, um, what's the social media how can people get in touch with you
1: yeah so uh for for twitter and instagram it's coach t underscore johnson um if you, anyone wants to reach out to me just talk shop i mean hit me up on that You can hit me up on linkedin um you know i think it's like taylor johnson performance for yep. linkedin uh, or you could reach out to me via email uh, taylor at statespace com. and more than happy to talk about traditional sports performance, esports performance, talk more about what we're doing in State Space. Um, yeah, happy to help in any way.
0: Taylor, I appreciate it very much. Uh, somebody I look up to and somebody it's a great resource. So, again, thank you so much for being on the podcast, man. I appreciate it.
1: Thanks, brother. Appreciate you as well.
0: Absolutely. Everybody, uh, reach out to Taylor. Great resource. I want to thank him again for being on the podcast. And everybody, stay strong.